Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they have been since 1972. They provide the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contact manufacturing, and custom hoses. I wonder if they make plastic and rubber gloves. I bet they do. They're probably doing pretty much a lot of that right now, I imagine. But they also make snowplow blades, which is key because it always snows here in Colorado through April. They've covered us all winter long, and they will continue to do so until the snow goes away. So be sure to hit them up for anything and everything. Snowplows, the blades can be cut to any length and slotted to mount any specifications you may need. And they're double-sided, so you can get twice the use out of them. You can use them this spring, probably store them away, and have them ready to go for next winter as well. Be sure to give them a call for any of those snowplow needs or other working with rubber in any way, shape, or form at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time! Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Call JT Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with over a thousand different beers to try and wines and liquors from around the world. They have you covered for any of your potential alcohol needs. You can also get yourself set up for great deals through their loyalty program and app and Starting on this Saturday, all of their orders will be curbside or delivery only. So be sure to set that up. Make your life easy. You don't have to go in. Just get it delivered or leave it out on the curbside where you can come and pick it up and go on about your way. You can get all sorts of awesome stuff from them, like our favorite Breck Brew 15-can sampler and many others as well. Again, you can get all that set up for them through their app. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are going to be answering your questions today, but first, we do have some Avalanche news to actually get to, starting off with the Avs signing TJ Tynan to a one-year extension. Pretty fine with this. I think AJ and I both agree that he's been a very solid AHL addition in their top six. I do think it's a bit interesting that this is the first signing to go down, though. Um. Fan, I mean, fantastic for the Eagles. Yep. And I was actually, it's the timing of this honestly blows me away because I'm, I'm that guy who sits around and looks at like random stuff in the middle of the night. And just last night I was looking at the Eagles roster and I was looking at their cap situation and thinking, man, I wonder if Tynan would want to come back after this season. He's got to be in really high demand. Uh, to for an AHL roster next year, and maybe, <clears throat> and maybe as a guy that would like push the bottom of of an NHL roster, right? For you know a, a Detroit or a Los Angeles or something, sure. right? Like, yeah, 
maybe maybe one of those teams would look at him and see that as well and say, hey, he could he could chip in in that way. And then it was like, well, why would he leave here? He got like 15 games here. So well, there was obviously a little trust and and uh, that he had never gotten anywhere else before. Um, so it makes perfect sense why he, if the ads were interested that he'd want to stay one year deal smart. Don't want to overcommit to to the AHL guys very often, which I mean, we only ever see two year deals for them at most anyway. But I'm I'm honestly I'm I'm kind of thrilled about this. Tynan was great for the Eagles and. I badly want the Eagles to be a competitive AHL squad year in and year out because I think that that helps raise the bar of expectations for the entire organization. You come into this organization and, yes, you are competing for NHL jobs. You are competing for, uh, you know, call-up order, position, all that stuff, all of that. But you're also there to win. And the expectations in the organization being about winning, I think just is an is an attitude change that I think is important. Now the AHL team is a development club, so you do have to also take that into consideration. But you're always going to have a couple of these kinds of guys. They might as well be some of the best out there. Yeah, on the AHL level, I think it's a very, very solid pickup and something that they continue to be effective with. When we were talking about our ideal AHL rosters last week, we all had, well, we all, both you and I, had a veteran player on that top line playing alongside someone like a Bowers. Yep. That's TJ Tynan. Yep. Done. The other side of that coin is what's the plan here. Both of us wanted Bowers ahead of a Tynan on the call up list. That's my one cause for concern with that extension. Yeah. It, it needs to be like Tynan. Tynan needs to be, if they, okay, let's say they bring back, O'Connor and Dries and yeah. one more, you know, one more like veteran. Like we're talking like Magna, like a 28 year old, yeah. not not the O'Connor Dries, you know, 24, 25 year old kid. Pseudo prospect at that Ex- point. Exactly. Yeah. Great, great way to put it. Pseudo prospect. Greer as well. You know, um, yep. that kind of guy. Those those are the guys that need to be called up ahead of Tynan next year. Yeah, they need to be giving those opportunities to those cats. Because as we saw, once again, like Martin Kaut, you called up an actual prospect. What happened? You called up Success. Logan. You called up Logan O'Connor. What happened? Success. Like there were some bright spots. There were some good things. You called up Jason Megney. You called up TJ Tynan. You got nothing out of them. Yeah. It's great that, you know, the Avs trusted Tynan and he got 15 games, but that experiment probably should have ended after about five. Definitely. And and it needs to be like, okay, we've learned. You know, if AJ Greer, for whatever reason, can't get called up this season, like then they need to be applying that same exact standard next year to Tynan. Like, hey, yep. this just isn't gonna this isn't gonna work. This isn't this isn't what you're here for, basically. You're yep. here to make the Eagles good. Do your thing. Don't worry about the NHL. We will pay you. You know, I haven't actually looked at the contract, um, but I'm assuming that he's going to get 400, 500k guaranteed uh, to be in the in the AHL. So you're going to get elite AHL money just below the uh, just below the the number uh, the the minimum in the NHL. 
Don't the... even worry about the NHL at that point. Just rip it up for the Eagles. Be a leader for that that young forward group. And, you know, go go chase a Calder. The unconfirmed number is 500K guaranteed. There you so, go. So, yeah. and That's and great that's just, money for an NHL player. Exactly. That's a great point as well. Is the Eagles were a very, very solid AHL team this year. So we may never get to see those playoffs, but they were a team that was going to push for a second round, if not more. Yep. And they were going to be a hard out. Yeah, exactly. So Tynan is certainly a, a key piece to that offense and in, in creating that opportunity for them. So from that standpoint, makes perfect sense. Uh, the other bit of news on the day is that there was an Avs player who tested positive for COVID-19. He had been in isolation and apparently has fully recovered at this point as well. So he is healthy. Don't know who it was or anything like that. There isn't a ton of information out there other than he had it and yep. he has gotten over it. I think this is weird. Yeah. Um, the <clears throat> releasing of the information that he had it and he's recovered. I'm I'm wondering why. It does. It also feels like how long did they know about it? It well certainly. I mean, if he's recovered from it, I mean this this t- it takes time, right? Yeah, it's you. You're supposed to what isolate for 14 days from symptoms. So. This, I mean, you just do the basic math here. Yeah, and it's been two weeks since the league shut down. Basically, right. so. like there was there was a dude who was playing in a game who had it. Yep, and it was like this is exactly why the world shut down. This right here is exactly why uh, everybody's gone into lockdown to prevent more of that going on right yeah. because you know that player that player gives it to four other players and then those guys go home to their families they go and they talk to fans after the game you know and then those people get a couple of those people get it and then you know you know how the stuff spirals spreads. very like, very quickly yep. yeah it gets it gets out of control just in the blink of an eye and so this is why it shut down i'm glad he's okay i don't know who it is personally i don't care I, I don't know why I don't know. I don't believe that's any of our business as, as long as he's recovered right. and it shouldn't matter as long as they're healthy. Right. And the, the whole, uh, the, the press release that they sent out today said people who have been in close contact with him, um, have all already been notified. So I don't believe it is our business that we ever know. I, I, I think that this is a thing that has really frustrated me with news lately, is that we feel like we're entitled to absolutely every single piece of information. And I get frustrated by that, by that, because this is a player who had it has recovered from it. And all of the pertinent people who needed to know, no. And what benefit is it for the public to know who it was other than simply for us to be able to answer the question? I personally, I hope we never find out and that that person gets to keep his privacy. Which is funny because I'm in an industry where I should be trying to do everything I can to figure out who it is. I just, you know. it. I mean, does it matter, really? Especially as long as they've notified the people they need to about you should 
be yep. aware of this and go get tested or whatever. Yep. The bases are covered at that point. Yep. So that's where I'm at with it. Uh, that's the news of the day for the avalanche. Anyways, as we continue through this no hockey period, but we're going to go ahead and take our first period break here as it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge brewery, the official beer of DNVR. They are setting up some pickup options for you as well as you can go down to the Breckenridge farmhouse in Littleton and set yourself up with a curbside pickup from them. You can also get $5 off of that pickup when you use code DNVR when you're setting all that up. You can also get meals from the farmhouse as well. So if you're going out trying to get a little bit of lunch for pickup, that is an option for you. You can call in at 303-803-1380 to schedule your pickup. Get yourself all set up with a, a Breckenridge sampler, some some meals to go as well. You'll be all set. The sampler comes with a bunch of options, usually the Avalanche, as well as the Strawberry Sky, the Vanilla Porter Jr., and one Seasonal, which right now I believe is the Raspberry Wit. So check them out. Give them a try if you haven't already. It's a great way to pick up your beer. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. We will get to your questions in a second. But first, we asked all of you one, and we have yet to answer it as well. We put out on Twitter a diagram. I'll call it a diagram, a table of trying to build the perfect 2001-2020 combined avalanche team for $15. I'm sure you've seen similar things on Twitter all of the time. A bunch of y'all have submitted your teams. We appreciate it very much, and we're getting back to you on Twitter as we can. But here on this podcast, AJ and I are going to come up with our team's for this list, the $5 tier has Sackick, McKinnon, Blake, Bork, and Forsberg. $4 is Foot, Makar, Hayduke, Tange, Rantanen. $3, Landeskog, Drury, Kadri, Johnson, Gerard. $2, Burakovsky, Podine, Niemann, Skula, Graves. And $1, Donskoy, Hynote, Calvert, Clem, and Zadorov. We gave everybody Patrick Waugh because, let's face it, you're picking Waugh in goal. That's just a fact. So you have $15 with those players to build the best team that you can. I did it very standard. I will say I picked one player from each tier. I didn't try and get creative with my money spending. Uh, AJ, I know built a couple of teams. So if you want to, if you want to start with one of those, maybe we should go there first. Yeah. So I wanted to know what it would look like if I spent, if I went defense heavy with my money. Okay. So I have a Makar Blake. Wow. Blue line. But yeah. it came at the cost of uh, there are three Hall of Fame caliber centers in the five dollar tier. There between, are between Sackick, Forsberg, and McKinnon, which was definitely intentional, by the way, that we put all of those in the same category. <laughs> and I don't have any of them on my team because I spent my I spent my money with Blake being five and McCarr being four. That's nine of my that's nine my of my dollars right there. I mean let's be real though. In that four dollar tier, Makar is probably the most likely to make the Hall of Fame. Um I think he and Miko are gonna have a good run. Right. I, Miko would be my second one. Uh, <clears throat> well, and we already know Foot Tangay and Hayduke aren't so. didn't make it, but <laughs> but all had very right. good careers. That's a bunch of Hall of Very Good guys. If, oh if, yeah. 
Miko and Makar's careers fall a little short. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I would say, so I've got Makar and Blake and then up front I have, uh, because I had to, I had to get, I had to find money somewhere. So I went with, uh, Donskoy, Drury and Burakovsky. Okay. Who is centering that line? Drury. Okay. Makes sense. I, I like the lineup. I like a lot of your picks. Donskoy feels a bit weak. Donskoy was, it was either Donskoy, high note or Calvert, obviously. And yeah. I just felt like, Hey, look, like he's not a true top line player, but neither are high note, neither are Calvert. Dan high notes career high was 15 points. Matt Calvert's career high, I believe is like 26, 27. Year, yeah. yeah. And it happened last. It was going to be this season. Um, and then of course, you know, all the injuries and whatever, but Donskoy, like we're talking multiple high 30 point seasons. And so I, I, what I was looking for was the highest floor possible from the dollar tier. And so Donskoy, like, yes, like, yeah, but having Makar and Blake back there, the way that I saw it is yes, I'm missing a hundred point player, but I have five guys capable of putting up 50. Yeah. Scoring by committee a little bit. Yeah. And with Makar and Blake, we're talking about you have you have two guys who can lay the wood defensively, and then obviously Blake is a Hall of Fame defenseman. Yeah. So I wanted one team where I spent all my money on defense and then to see what it looked like. Because I have I have two other teams. Uh I have two other teams where I got a little more creative. Yeah, well with this one. The Makar Blake pairing is just silly, right? You can set up Blake to be that monster defensively as well as just a turret on the blue line, and you pretty much give Makar carte blanche to do whatever he wants. Right. Like there isn't there isn't any pairing in the world where Makar doesn't have that. <laughs> right. Fair enough. So I think it does work out very well that way. Uh I took a very different approach. Uh almost completely different, I would say. Uh my team Started with Peter Forsberg in the $5 tier because, of course, I'm going to pick Peter Forsberg if you know me. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about that at center. I did go with Makar in the $4 tier. I, just too much of a market inefficiency there, I think. And third, $3 tier, I took Drury as well. $2 tier, I took Burakovsky as well. And then the $1 tier, I, I went with at least a touch of defense and Clem. So... I basically said, Clem, stand in the back and don't give up any breakaways, and then we're just going to have a filth offense for the abs in, uh, on this combined team. <laughs> just so have- we, we saw what happened when John Clem got top defensive pairing um, because he he parlayed his 2001 season with the abs into a big contract with Chicago, and they tried to do that with him. Yeah. And it went real poorly. And I couldn't get that out of my mind when considering these things. And he still ended up on one of my teams because for a dollar, like John Clem, a rock solid second pairing caliber defenseman. And we're talking about putting him with some guys. Right. So you're not worried about any puck moving ability (laughs) for him. Yeah. With the guys you're putting him with. So, yeah, I, I, so my second team that I made was the one with, um, you know, I it's interesting, Forsberg and, and Makar. 
You put those yeah. guys together. Yep. Why Drury over Landy? Because I think Landy is a higher caliber offensive player and probably a better two-way guy. I definitely figured Landy was a better two-way guy. It was something I considered, but ultimately I looked at my team and said, you know what? The way I'm building this top five is they only go one direction. <laughs> okay. And I think Chris Drury is going to come in a little bit more clutch as he tends to do if you're going that way. Yeah, I mean, I think between uh, Drury and Landeskog, it's really like a pick your poison. Yeah. Like it's... It, I don't think there's a wrong choice there. It's just a style preference, right? For sure. It, had I it, had I preferred a little bit of a more well-rounded lineup and, and wanted that defensive forward, Landy's the easy choice then. So. Yeah. Interesting. Right. In, interesting. That's an interesting lineup. I actually really like that. It's got yeah. it's got such a solid mix of everything. I, I like how our, for both our teams so far, Big Take is like, oh, you're one dollar guy. <laughs> yeah. Not sure about him, right? <laughs> well, and like Clem versus Zadorov, right? And I, right. I feel like I feel like I'm a little extra sour on Zadorov just because of how the season finished. Yeah, and so there's some recency bias that's that's kind of pushing me away right now. But yeah. I had a I made a second lineup where I said, "Hey, what's what's about the most balanced two way lineup that I would like? Like, what if I'm trying to protect one a one goal lead?" Sure. And so I went Landeskog, Sakic, Hayduke, Graves, and Clem. Landeskog, Sakic, Hayduke, Graves, and Clem. You're not putting foot on that roster. That's interesting. It was, I, I wanted the forwards because yeah. with Graves and Clem, I've got two guys who um, have physical elements to the game and can block a lot of shots. And I really like, I, I really like that element of it, uh, of that if I'm protecting a one goal lead. I feel like you could throw Calvert in over Clem and, and fit in a fit in a foot instead of a Hayduke there maybe, but. But I like, I, I liked the forward I've if there's one of the things that has developed in me a lot this year is a much stronger appreciation. Just watching this team is a yep. much stronger appreciation for how important it is to have good defensive forwards. And I like Calvert. I but. think, I think <laughs> that I also kind of want to score the empty net goal. Fair. <laughs> and it's but I not mean, to say that like Landeskog, Sackett, Calvert is like a scrub group. <laughs> right. Like, um, and you're right. I think maybe I could have made that change and that probably would have been uh, the better balance between the two. But even still, I mean. Because Graves and Foot would have been nasty together. Right. Exactly. Two there would have been some real snarl but, there. Yep. And. Even this way, though, certainly the the play against if it's goalie pull time and six on five, very simple that the play is just get that puck to Hayduk and, and let him throw a wrister down the ice. Yeah, between Landeskog, Sakic, and Hayduk, I feel like I have on either side, depending on the matchup and how they're going to defend, uh, you know, like who they're playing against. Like if you're if you're playing against Nashville, you're defending against 
uh, Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis going bombs away from the point. Yeah. And so you want, I, I, I might take Matt Calvert in that situation. Um, Cause who else would block a shot with his head? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's just a different, you know, if you, if I'm going against like the Rangers and I've got Savannah Jad yeah. and Panarin out there, then I want, I want better defensive. I want, I want more well-rounded. I want more offensive skill. Just Makes puck sense. skill because puck skill isn't a thing that only happens on the offensive end. It happens on the defensive end too. Yep. And you know, and then obviously no offense to Calvert, but look, skating real fast and hard at a guy, you're still going to get walked occasionally. It happens yeah, for sure. And so that's <clears throat> that's where I went with that. And then so my my third team, uh, this was me just trying to balance. Uh, I tried to go with two Hall of Famers. Gotcha. And then spend uh, the rest of the money here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's start with which Hall of Famers you had. Uh, I went with Sakic and Blake. Okay. Balance makes sense. I exactly. I right. know you're, you're all, you've always been a stickler for building your team defense first, too. And I've always been. I'm I'm obsessed with versatility and balance. I don't like being heavy on on any end. Fair it's, enough. It's it's true across all sports, all teams, all everything. It's you watch you watch me play XCOM, and you'll notice the same thing. You go into Mario Kart and you play Mario because he does a little bit of everything. I I actually play Toad, but Mario's my second go to. Yes, <laughs> um, because I am I am that guy. I do prefer like oh yeah, give me the all around. I want yeah. I want to be good at a little bit of everything, and then. And then it's up to player skill at that point, right? Like, I will make it happen with Mario, right? Okay. Sure. So I wanted a little bit of the balance with, with uh, forward and offense, uh, or forward and defense. And so I went Sackick Blake, and then I put Gerard next to him, and then I went Donskoy Calvert because I only had $2 left. Right. Had to just take what was left at that point. Yeah, and Calvert is Dan Hino, but better in every way. So... You know why yep. I would pick Dan Hino makes no and the only the only reason I would have picked Dan Hinoat is because I wanted the right hand. Jonas Donskoy is right handed, so it makes no problem sense. solved. Yep, man. So I have I have Donskoy, Sackett, Calvert, Gerard, and Blake, which <sighs> is interesting because now that I'm relooking at it, I could have. Yeah, I kind of I still like it. I, I I really like the Gerard Blake pairing. Yeah. I think that's super enticing because that's nobody's gonna have fun in the defensive zone against that. And mm-hmm. especially again, two defensemen that do their thing offensively very differently. Well, and they're so complimentary offensively yeah. because Gerard is so like he loves to he loves to penetrate into the zone yep. and then pass back, and especially if he's passing back to the point, like Rob Blake loaded back, yeah, there. <laughs> right? Like Rob Blake with that slap shot that helped get him into the Hall of Fame. Like this just makes sense to me. So I really liked that combination and Sakic, and I think Donskoy next to a guy like Sakic would have been so so effective. Yeah, uh, and then Calvert can play with anybody on any line in any situation, and. He was just the obvious choice because I only had a dollar left to spend and I was not picking Dan Hynote over Matt Calvert. <laughs> like, there's nothing against Dan Hynote. Very, very well remembered by Abs fans for a good reason. There's no way I'm picking Hynote over Calvert. 
Yeah, I, I do wonder what happens with that team if you try to go two in the two dollar tier instead of Gerard. Yeah, um, I mean you're looking at Burkowski, I would assume, and then yeah, definitely, it would probably Burkowski and well, I'm not picking Marty Skula. Yeah, that's where I'm. I don't want. I don't think Skula or Graves is great with Blake, honestly. I yeah, it would probably be Graves, and I would just say because there's uh because he's a high IQ guy and uh he could play off of what Blake does. Yeah. And um because they they would also be doubling up on physicality at that point. So you could you it would just be a, a miserable pairing to play against especially if this is if this is in today's game that's an ultra miserable playing uh pairing to go against if this is in 2001. Graves can still handle that kind of game. Yeah, I, that's true. I, I just wonder. Yeah, you yeah, you still have Donskoy in the one dollar tier, so you yeah. can kind of. And Burkowski, I mean Burkowski Donskoy, uh, with with Sakic, and then, I mean, uh, let's be real. Like Andre Burkowski next to Joe Sakic would have been an easy twenty five goal guy. You know, maybe more than that. Maybe Jesse's bold 30 goal prediction ends up coming true. <laughs> he has Joe Sack. Pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think I would lean towards agreeing with you on that one. Just the way the the list ended up getting built. So, yeah. I, having, to, a- having to pick, it, I felt awful not having Nathan McKinnon on any of my teams, but it was like, dude. Right. But- Sackick scored 600 goals. Peter Forsberg's arguably one of the top five most talented players in league history. Like, come on. Not a single one of our teams had Tange on it. And Tange was very, very good for this team for many, many years. Yeah. I mean, Tange was like Miko Rantanen before Miko. Right. Exactly. So <clears throat> it's uh, it's funny when you got to really get down to the cream of the crop, I guess. Yeah. This was a fun little thing that we enjoyed doing all y'all on Twitter with your teams. We really appreciate you participating as well. Probably keep up doing similar things like this through the quarantine, at least just to have some fun, fun hockey stuff to talk about on Twitter, if nothing else. But we're going to go ahead and get out of this second period here. And as Strava says, drink deeply, live fully and put Hall of Famers on your team. StravaCraft is the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives. The CBD is non-psychoactive, and it's been known to help long-term migraines, anxiety, arthritis, IBS, many other aches and pains as well. You can get 20% off when you buy when you use code DNVR20 online, and you can get it shipped straight to your door. And remember, in times like these... Please support our partners like Strava Craft, like Breckenridge Brewery. Supporting them helps support us as well. It's it's a big way for everybody to to help out each other. Highly recommend Strava Craft Coffee. Be sure to tweet about it so we can all celebrate together. We'll be back in a second. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Nathan Rudolph and AJ Hayfley. Finally, time to get to all of your questions. Thank you for submitting them. Jump right in here, I think, with a pretty quick and straightforward one. E. Brucker Brucker asks, is it a hot take to say Gary Thorne is better than Doc Emmerich? Okay, so I'm one of the I'm one of the, the you can call me a, consider me a Doc Stan here. 
Um, I love Doc Emmerich. I think he rocks. Gary Thorne, the goat. I'm in the exact same boat. I think Doc is one of the best casters, if not the best caster in sports today. Gary Thorne could cast paint drying, and I would listen to that, man. He is straight up, dude. He's insane. They should be getting him what they should be doing right now, ESPN. They should have him doing voiceovers of all the crazy, like like the 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 lumberjack competitions. Yeah. The the marble races. Like they should be having him do all of that stuff right now. Because yeah. I would pay whatever necessary to subscribe to watch to that. Watch watch any of that. GTN, mm. the Gary Thorne Network. Straight <laughs> up, man. Be all over it. Yes. Uh, 100% with it. Uh, no doubt there's some nostalgia in there as he was the voice of my childhood watching hockey and all of that. But the man just had the voice for the job. It, incredible stuff. And, I mean, the calls are... Elite tier, yes. Right. Like it's and it's not it's not too much. It's not you know, like Mosier can be a little much for me at times. It can be a little yep. like listening to him can get can I can feel like I'm physically tired after <laughs> a game because it's so into everything is so intense with him. Yeah. And there are lots of people who love that. It's just for me it can be tiring. And yep. Uh, then there are like, uh, like uh, there are other broadcasters like uh, the Rockies have Drew Goodman, who's like very mellow and like talking you know, voice ninety five percent of the time, yeah. exactly. Like very conversational, and that's turns me off in a different way. Um, <laughs> you know, about the only time he gets really excited is on like a deep fly ball. That, that goes very, to the warning track. That very clearly is not going out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, also, I th- I do think that like it fits like his sport really well. The same yeah. way Mosier fits hockey very well. The adrenaline and the you know. Rah, 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 rah. So, um, I I think that like they they do a great job for their sports. They're just not necessarily for me. And what I love about Thorne is that he balances the two. Almost perfectly. Yeah. Thorne never feels like it's too much. Never feels like it's too little. He's the Goldilocks of casting, I guess. And like, and his voice, just just the yeah, sound yeah. of his voice, like it's just perfect for hockey broadcasting. Uh, he's an he's the the Orioles broadcaster. They're their daily play by play guy, and it's just not the same. I'm like. Every time I've listened to it, I'm like, he must love living there because he does not belong on a baseball broadcast. He's just not a baseball broadcaster. Yep. He should be in hockey. He should be in hockey. 100%. I'm Somebody let him know that he needs to be doing hockey and Come not, not all yes. We'll actively listen to that broadcast no matter what. Yeah, I've actually listened to, I've watched Orioles games when I had nothing else going on just because he was calling it. And, so, like, if you know anything about baseball, watching the Orioles the last couple of years. Oof. Not a fun time of baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So, Gary Thorne's the GOAT. If you disagree, you're wrong. These are just oh, facts. My man. <laughs> so, uh, there are some other guys that you could also put in there. I'd be like, those guys are also great. It's not like Gary Thorne's the only great. Sure. Plenty yeah. of greats, but there's only one GOAT. 
I'm with you. He's and like honestly, how much of this is nostalgia, right? Because like he's like yeah, it's he was the voice of us falling in love with hockey. Yep, straight up. So, so that counts for go. a lot, probably. It counts for a lot for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are people who are going to be older, who uh, you know, have, or even younger, who have different voices that they associate with the sports and them falling in love with the sport. And the the importance of those those broadcasters get elevated. It's just just human nature. Yeah, the younger apps generation seems to just hate all of the national broadcasters, though. So, which is really like, and if you watching the two thousand one final has been interesting for that reason, in that Al Michaels is a ringside reporter with John Davidson. Yeah, <laughs> and like. Like those guys are f- exceptional on broadcasts. Yep. And then you look at what we have on broadcasts now, and it was like it was like guys like Jeremy Roenick and Mike Milbury, and to a little like Keith Jones is so vanilla and forgettable. Um, I've never had a strong opinion on Patrick Sharp. Like the only one outside of Doc that I really like is Eddie. Yeah, I do like Eddie. Um, he is. He is. Uh, I like listening to his voice. Yeah. He's got a good voice. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Get him outside of a Chicago game too. Yeah. That, that would be nice. He's <clears throat> a lot better outside of those. Yes. Definitely some Homer going on there. Um, yeah. All right. Next question. There is a big list here. So let me start off with a list of people who are draft eligible eligible this coming season. Shane Doan's son, Pavel Bure's nephew, Brian Rolston's son, Billy Niemann's son, Mark Naslin's son, Adrian Acoin's son, Chris Draper's son, Oli Jokinen's nephew, and Chris Pronger's son. Just Forbes asks, of all of these bloodline kids in hockey, who would you have for the Avs? Um, I mean, if they were to come close to the question was like them coming close. Yeah, to, sorry, my bad. The, if all these kids play close to their their father or uncle's level, who would you take for the abs? And obviously, there are some very quick standouts when you put that little wrinkle in. Yeah, I mean, it's I think for the abs, it's got to be Pronger. If you look at what Colorado could use the absolute most right now, we've talked about this too a bunch this year. That one of their weaknesses is that their defense is deep, but not necessarily high end yet. We expect that to change over the next couple of years as Makar, Gerard, Bowen, Byram, Connor Timmons, those guys kind of take over the defense. But I, uh, I mean, Chris yeah. Prong. I mean, if if you could get a guy like Chris Prong, I mean, good lord, man. Chris, right. Chris Chris Pronger is one of the top two defensemen to play in the last thirty years. Yeah, I'd, I'd have a really hard time disagreeing with taking Chris Pronger, but given if you look at the ads and abs knees that we've talked about, that last top six forward, and you have an option like a Naslin to take there. I mean, I'm sorry, but you put a guy like Pavel Bure next to that too. Sure. Next to Nathan yeah. McKinnon. I mean, you put those two skaters on the ice together. I mean, there were people who were excited about the idea of Andreas Athanasiu. Because but, he could skate a bit. <laughs> yeah, because he could fly. 
But I mean, you put Pablo Bure, you get Pablo Bure's nephew out there who is a, would be a, you know, in this situation is a close facsimile of Pablo. Dude. It would get pretty, pretty absurd there. Definitely. But again, in the, you know, seeking balance and such. I mean, if you're seeking balance, do you maybe take a look at someone with more sandpaper like a Shane Doan then? No. No? You're not feeling that at all? The high end just isn't there. Like uh, like uh, Brian Ralston, you know, Ryder Ralston. Um, yeah. Brian, I mean, do you know Brian Ralston had four 30-goal seasons? I did not. Yeah. I was looking at his career last year, and I was like, this guy was way better than I remembered. <laughs> I remembered him as just the really fast guy who played for the Avs for 10 minutes and was in, and then got traded, uh, was involved in the Lemieux and Bork trades. Yep. <sighs> but had a really good career. Like I would take, I would take Ralston over Doan. Okay. I mean, that's fair. And then, uh, but I would take Nasland. It would be for me, it would go Pronger, Bure, Nasland, Ralston, Doan. And then I, mean, I don't remember the rest of the guys. Not even, yeah, not even considering Neiman and a coin or Draper. No, like solid, solid career guys. But like, you know, the ads have a bunch of those cats already. So for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely, I think Pronger, Beret or Nasland are well ahead of anyone else. Mm-hmm. I'd. Ralston's very solid. I don't think he quite reaches that level. Um, totally. So when you have a choice of Hall of Famers, you go with the Hall of Famers is the moral of the story, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And like Doan's big thing was longevity more than true high end. He just played forever. So yeah, I I love Ralston's fit in Colorado, man. I Man, if they could get that guy again. A whole lot of if going on there, (laughs) but all right. Next question. BJ Jones asks, what do you think about a new all-star game event? I think defensemen need to have a race skating backwards around the rink. Who do you think would win? Um... Boy. Tough one. Skating backwards? Yeah. I have no idea. I really don't know who the best skaters in the league are. Like backwards. Yeah, I really, boy, that's, I have no idea. I'm trying to think. It's got to be like one of those guys that are super smooth, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, there. Can I take Duncan Keith in his prime? <laughs> no, but I mean, it's a better answer than I don't know. <laughs> like, there are some really, really good skaters backwards. You know, yeah. Gerard is a really good skater. He'd probably um, be who I pick from the abs anyway, but uh, Rasmus Dahlin's a really good skater backwards. Yep. Um, 
I, yeah, boy. I have no idea who I would really pick. So I guess the moral of the story is we need this event at the All-Star Game to find out. I would love the event. I would love that. I think it would be fun. All right. I, I'm all for it as well. Anything to spice up the All-Star Game is a good thing, in my opinion. Totally. So, so not a great answer, but a very good choice of adding new event for BJ Jones. Appreciated. Okay. It's time to get weird, AJ. The next question comes from Callie. They ask, aliens. Oh, boy. Doesn't even really have a question here, just that they believe in aliens and they want AJ's opinion on aliens. This coming from our live watch along of the Avs game where AJ was started to talk about aliens. So, I, Look, all I said was, let's just be honest here, aliens exist, okay? I'm with you. And and then when they pushed me on it, I said, you have to ask in a and a show, so that's why we're here right now. Um, Basically, come on. There are, aliens are real. Like, come on. This universe is way too big, way too vast for us to honestly believe that we're the only intelligent life form in it. That's such classic human arrogance. Uh, there's just no way. I The improbability of it is almost unfathomable to me. So I'm, they're definitely real. I 100% believe aliens exist as well. The real question here is, like, how much do they mess with us? Right. How much do they really interact? Do they drop in and be like, oh, hey, like, okay, this place is inhabited, so we're going to fly away now. Or, like, are they, like, you know, are like, do they align the pyramids? Are they the ones behind all that, all the, the technology to build the pyramids? How else did they move? Uh, how else did those pyramids get built? How did they? How did they do all that? How did they know how to how to make such grand structures back then, when they didn't have any of modern day technology? I mean, slavery. <laughs> okay, like I understand where they got the labor from, but how do they know how to do all that stuff? Like it's okay, cool. Like it's an interesting question that I don't have an answer to. I don't know, but. Do I think aliens like rolled down here and were like, okay, we're going to help you do this and we're going to align them perfectly so that, you know, like these are the messages and we're going <laughs> to all of the hieroglyphs that we leave on the walls are going to suggest that aliens came down and, you know, we worship all these different things and they're definitely aliens and not just like random events that we have interpreted to be deities, right? Like, Eh, maybe there's just like we don't know like we don't right. know. obviously and, of course and, and that's the honest answer but that makes for bad television it sure does <laughs> so uh we don't we don't know but it's more fun to believe that it's like aliens did this and like the nazca lines right like is the it, are the nazca lines like a i believe in the question even referenced it you know is it is it an airport yeah for aliens like as this is why, why would those, why would these things exist? Because they're only meant to be seen from the sky. Otherwise they're other, they're entirely useless from the ground. Yep. There's no, there's no point in them. What are all the patterns? What does it all say? Why do they exist the way that they do? What are they? You know, like what, what is going on here? If not for 
it to be viewed from the sky. They didn't, you know, but who who comes from the sky? Aliens. It's true. So I get it. I also know that there's a whole lot of data that shows it that, aliens. <laughs> that reports about things like alien sightings have gone up exponentially since like the early 1900s. Yeah. Does that mean we're getting visited more often or that we have that the idea of alien life and, you know, life in, in the great beyond is, is a more widely considered concept than it was back then. And the rise of technology to spread messaging like that, you know, you ask anybody in the world, basically right now, if they have an opinion on aliens and, I would say probably like at least 80% of the world's population, and that's a conservatively low number, would have an opinion on an a- on aliens. Yep. Because, and, and would not think that the question is crazy. It would be like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, I, this is how I think about it. It's just one of those things that we all have an opinion on because it's all, it's a very normal thing that's been ingrained in, in all of our cultures about like, hey, maybe these exist or maybe they don't. We don't know. And then how into it you get is kind of up to you. But 200 years ago, did anybody think about aliens? I don't, I don't know. I wasn't around, but just based on, you know, the records of, of life that we have from back then, not really. There were bigger problems back then, I guess, basically like trying not to die constantly. (laughs) Like there just wasn't like, Oh, aliens, huh? But yeah, it's always been a crazy thing for me because the universe is so vast that, like, are there aliens out there that the human mind can't even comprehend, like, what they are? Because that gets interesting to me, because if if the human race can't understand them, then they could be just chilling, you know? But it's hard for me to say anything for sure, and... Unfortunately, this is likely a question that will not be answered in my lifetime. So, might just have to live with it. <laughs> yeah, I just I totally believe that they're real. <clears throat> um, I'm with you on on the real. They're out there somewhere, at very least. <laughs> I when it comes to like how often they're like coming down and like interacting with us. Uh, I don't know that I buy that. Yeah, I I struggle with that as well, just given... Are they straight abducting people and doing all kinds of stuff? Like, nah. Definitely not sold on that one, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm there, not about that one. There's also a very real possibility that the human race is the most advanced society in the universe. And that, so there may well be aliens out there, but they can't travel between worlds either. So... Yeah. It, yeah who knows is the answer basically yeah and well and i think it's it's a fun conversation it's lighthearted. you're like meh yep all right one final question that's actually hockey related here uh this one comes from need cheese sticks there is a rumor out there going around that if the salary cap does go down or remains the same obviously given the lost revenue the nhl is likely to have there could be another free buyout window for NHL teams. Uh, the question is, would the Avs use it on EJ or any player at all? 
So I think the only conversation is EJ, right? Like, can we agree that there would not be another guy that they yeah. would use any buyout on? I, who else would you buy out? It doesn't make any sense. The only other one that may come to mind is Cole, and there's only one year left on that deal, so just let it right. run out. Exactly. The only the only conversations that you could have would be uh, Cole or Belmar, I think. Right. And like, why? Just no need to. Yeah. Yeah. There's just there's just no need whatsoever. So it's basically EJ or bust on that one. Um, if it was, if this was like a compliance buyout, like when they came back from the lockout and they were like, "Hey, let's let Philadelphia dig themselves out," basically. Yeah. Um. And there was no cap hit, any of that? No repercussions, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a conversation. Yeah. Like, you still have to pay him, like, the real world money. But, but the cap hit. <clears throat> right, but you're not sudden, you're not spreading that cap hit, the $6 million, you know, you're not spreading that over six years. Because I think right. that's what it would be right now. Um. I think that if if you were able to get off scot free and it's just the real world money, which obviously we don't care about, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I, oh man, that's a tough conversation. It 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 is because all of a sudden, resigning McCarr, resigning Landeskog, resigning McKinnon is a non-issue, and you're even talking about potentially having the money to go out and get a Taylor Hall long term then. Right. Or, I mean, something crazy, something weird happens, and you might be able to talk yourself into a Petrangelo free agency. Yeah, sure. You have $6 million more of flexibility is what right. the ads end up with, basically. Well, and, and Eric Johnson's nowhere close to a $6 million player anymore. Right. And that's, you know, if let's let's say that Let's say that you were going to consider re-signing him. Sure. Eric Johnson, what would you give him? Like, money-wise, what is he? Because we say he's what he's not all the time, which is, oh, he's not a $6 million player. He's not a franchise defenseman. We're always talking about what Eric Johnson's not. What is Eric Johnson? I mean, realistically, especially seeing the role he's been given, Ian Cole's contract. Okay, so... And Cole makes just a shade over four million, right? So you're talking. You feel like okay, he's he's a shade over a four million dollar player. He's making six, so he's you're saving. Over, he's overpaid, but he's not so overpaid that you're desperate to get out from under that contract. Then, then it would yeah. not even be worth it to save the two million dollars when you already have oodles of space, right? I- Probably not for a team in the situation that the Avs are in. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It overcomplicates things more than anything. I think about the only thing that you really get out of it is you get out of potentially having to protect him. Yeah, the NMC goes away. Yeah, in the expansion draft, which just gives you the ability to basically protect Ryan Graves. Right. Or Nikita Zadorov, whichever one one other player of second 
line defensive caliber or right. third line forward caliber. Whatever. And, and again, it's like, okay, would is that even is that even really truly worth it? Would you rather just protect EJ? Because for oh. my money, I would take EJ over Ryan Graves. And even then, EJ waving his NMC isn't off the table either. So it's not right. even a guaranteed addition. So it's just. It feels like a whole lot to gain a whole little. Right. It it feels like, well, and you're also cutting ties with a player who loves playing for you. Yep. Who stuck with you. There's, there's this, these are the loyalty things, right? These are the human element parts of it. Stuck with you when you weren't very good. Wanted to be here. Wants to win here specifically. Like if you offered Eric Johnson a, a chance to win a Stanley cup, he's not going to say no, but all things considered, I, I he wants to win a cup here. If he had the choice, yeah. Right. He he <clears throat> has repeatedly said that Colorado is his home now. He loves it here. Uh, he loves playing here. He loves playing for this organization. And he loves playing for Joe Sackick. So, don't mess with a good thing, maybe. Yeah, and like, we can agree, not a $6 million player. He's got three years left on that deal, though. That's the That's the stinger. And we don't know how much is that six million. He's a four million dollar guy right now, but what's he going to be two years from now? Let alone that final year, is he going to be a two million dollar player? Right, that's where it starts to become more expensive than maybe it's worth. And it's it's tough to say to make that decision. I think that'd be a tough decision to make this off season, though. So I think. I think I would not do it because if you do get to that point where that $6 million is really a problem, it's probably happening in 2021 or 2022. And let's be honest. Sure. It might cost the abs a pick or something, but we've seen it time and time again in the NHL. If it comes down to dumping that cap teams do it. Right. Or, I mean, then you're talking, you could even just have the buyout conversation in 2021 where he's got two years left on it, or, he, or even in the final year of his deal, you know, if you could make it to the final year of his deal and then have the buyout conversation, then it only gets spread out over two years. Right. And it's like, you know, it's, it's what, like a little over 3 million or something at that point. So yeah, it's not much over spread out over two years. It's yeah. I'm, that's where I think that conversation becomes like a real one until then I'm definitely not having it today. They still need him. Um, where, you know, we, we have talked about, Oh, you know, down the road, they could whatever two years from Connor Timmons and Kale McCarr and blah, blah, blah. Like, sure. If all things go perfectly for the ads and development works out in the most ideal way possible. Great. That's when you have that conversation, but for right now they still need him. And yep. um, EJ is definitely a valuable part of the uh, locker room and the accountability and the culture that has been established in there. He's a big part of, and that's one of their big strengths right now. And so it's funny. People are, Oh, don't, don't trade Tyson Berry. Cause he's Nate's best friend. Um, you know, don't don't trade Zadorov because he's he's well liked in the room, and we don't want to mess up the chemistry. 
But with Eric Johnson, it's like, oh, you can just do whatever you want to him. And he's had more to do with building up that locker room and the chemistry and the accountability in there than just about anybody not named McKinnon or Landeskog. Yeah. So there's always those off-ice factors as well that often fly under the radar a bit. And and it's hard to value them. Like, how yep. how do you value them? Because... You ha- you're taking something that does not have, you know, it has an intrinsic value, but you don't know what the monetary value of it is. And you have to decide on how important that is because that's, it's part of the, it's, it's a factor, you know, they're going to have to make that, that call on uh, next year when Matt Calvert's contract expires. How important is it that they try to bring him back and that, you know, he's been a huge part of the culture as well. Everybody loves him, and he's still quite effective. You know what? Where do you go with that guy? So you you're trying to you have to put a money value on something that does it doesn't. It's not easy to do. You know, yeah. it's easy to put a, a money value and say, okay, well, <clears throat> goals, points, these types of things. You know, they all you know hits and block shots and whatever plus minus all this nonsense that that all these numbers that always end up in contracts. But now it's like, well, locker room and character and culture. How I do mean, you value that? It's hard. Yeah, if you're actually going to consider that conversation, it's not an answer you can come up with in one podcast. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Something yeah. you'd probably have to sleep on a few times. Definitely. And we could we could kind of do it, um, you know, since we have the time, we could kind of do it uh, Taylor Hall style. We could get we could get arguments for and against and get some people together and do a whole pod with and, you know, trying to try to find an answer. Well, there you go. That's maybe something y'all can look forward to. We'll see if we can't put something like that together. Um, it would be fun. All right. Final thoughts, AJ, on just everything going on with the Avs. Game five of the Stanley Cup finals is tomorrow. Whatever you want to touch on. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, just want to send, as always, just want to send all of our love to you guys. I hope everybody is doing well. This is the this is like one of the weirdest times in human history. Yep. In like a non-war time. Um imaginable, you know, that this is it's so strange and hopefully it's the only time we ever live through anything like this and you know, we're all in this together. Hopes and dreams and good feelings and you know, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I just hope everybody's doing well and that they're handling the stir crazy that we all inevitably are going to suffer from pretty bang on stay safe out there that's gonna do it for this episode of the show just to echo what aj said appreciate all y'all still listening along in these strange times and we'll be here every weekday covering abs covering hockey covering aliens you name it we are out here chatting hockey when we can so thank you for listening and you will hear from us again tomorrow Mile High Green Cross has an extremely convenient location at 9th and Broadway with parking in the back so you can get out and get on with your day as quick as possible. You can also sign up for their loyalty program to get 20% off your entire purchase once every single month. It's a great deal. 
super easy to use. They even accept Hyper, so you don't have to bring in cash or anything like that. Just remember to tweet at us when you use them and get that 20% off by signing up for their loyalty program. The NPR Avalanche with Hayfully.